Welcome to episode 128 of Lead a Life Uncommon. Here's to you being bold enough to go for it. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Today I have the honor of having uh, spoken with this woman who really inspires me and I know she will inspire you as well. I'm fascinated with the stories of why women choose the things they choose in life. And that's who you're going to hear from today. Emma O'Brien is an award-winning dog photographer, which by the way, you need to go check it out. Her uh, series on black dogs is pretty freaking cool. She's a TED Talk speaker, personal development coach, and she specializes in helping people who, you know, are stuck in patterns of thinking. And she helps people with big life changes. And that is exactly what she's going to talk about. She's going to talk about how she's, she transitioned businesses, how she moved to a different continent, for God's sake, and how she is all in on herself and has her own back. And this is going to inspire you. And we're going to have more and more and more of these conversations where she's direct, she holds no punches, and I know that you're going to enjoy this conversation. So make sure you check her out. And of course, all the good stuff will be in the show notes. And here we go. Hey, everybody, welcome to Lead a Life Uncommon. I have a special guest with me today, Emma O'Brien. And I'm going to let her introduce herself and tell you um, a little bit about her background. And then I want to tell you why I wanted to interview her and have her share her story. Hi, Emma, it's good to see you. Hi, Mary. It's lovely to be here. Thank you for having me on the podcast. I am um, looking forward to our conversation because I think that, um, you know, the questions that I want to ask you about why you've pivoted, what has transpired in your life, you've done some big moves in both your career and your personal and your professional life. And I think that that is the juice of life. And I love, uh, you know, when uh, we're brave enough and bold enough to do that. So share with everybody a little bit about what you are doing now in your career and what you used to do because people might think that it's so completely different and maybe it is, maybe it's not. I don't know. We'll let them decide. What do you tell us a little bit about you now? So uh, I am a professional dog photographer and I'm a personal development coach. And as you know, from our conversations, I'm busy pivoting from the dog photography full-time into the coaching full-time. So I'm in the midst of a pretty massive career change, which is, you know, at 42, I'm finding a little challenging. Um, And in my coaching capacity, my specialty is really helping people who are navigating change, helping people who are stuck to get unstuck, whether that's stuck in patterns of thinking or stuck in in life of, I know I need to change something, but I have no idea what, what do I do? Yeah. So that's, that's really where my skill set sits as a coach. And that comes from my own journey of being stuck and my own journey of, of navigating changes. So I guess it's a natural transition once you've overcome things repeatedly to be in a position to be able to help other people also overcome big life challenges as well. I agree. And, you know, and that's what, you know, we're always our best client first. So maybe you took pictures of a dog that you had at one time and were like, I'm going to be a dog photographer. Um, so thank you for sharing that. And so all around this topic too, um, you've moved, you live on a different continent. Is that, is that what we call a different that continent? Is a different, a different continent. Yeah. Yes. yes. A different yeah. continent. Yeah, totally. Mm-hmm. And how long, when did that transpire? 
So I moved to South Africa in 2009. So I've been here for just over 14 years now, which is, I, I don't, I don't know where the time's gone. It's crazy. Oh, amen. Right. <clears throat> and um, the move transpired really, I guess it was probably a bit of a knee jerk move. If you can have a knee jerk, you know, continent move. I'm one of those people who I tend to be quite quick to make decisions and then I commit, you know, so I just kind of go, cool, this seems like a good idea. Let's run with that. Um, and I got divorced in 2008 and post-divorce, I met a guy who was also getting divorced. And in hindsight, it was a total disaster, to be quite honest. But he was somebody who was constantly, I would say, in in his mind, on the run from himself, I think, to be yeah. honest. Yeah. And uh, we got together and I think we had we had quite a lot in common and we we're both getting divorced and we we're both dealing with exes. And it's kind of he was like, well, I'm going to go and move to South Africa and I want you to come with me. So I went, you know what? All right, then. Uh, yeah. Sounds like it could be good. I, I've always, since I've been quite young, always wanted to go and move abroad, whatever right. that, you know, whatever yeah. that looked like in my yeah. mind. So it kind of happened. And we had a long distance relationship for about nine months and I was toing and froing. There were a lot of red flags that told me it probably shouldn't pursue this. Don't but you know go. what? I know. But you Correct. Know. The universe went, here's an exit. I think you should take it. And I went, yeah. no, do you know what? But but then I look back at it and think, I'm very glad I arrived here. You know, all of these things kind of lined up to bring me to where I am, which is um, perfectly, you know, this is the right place to be. Mm -hmm. Um but yeah, so I kind of committed to it and then just ran with it. And I think if I think of that and I think of um, when I left the relationship as well, uh, which I had to pack all my stuff up and leave whilst he was at work because he was I a little bit. I did the same thing. Oh, my God. I, this is why yeah. I, I feel like there's always some unconscious familiarity. Mm-hmm. That's what, and I didn't know this part of your story, but I was like, mm -hmm. there's something about her that feels familiar to me. Well, <laughs> I, don't I, know, I don't know what it's your cadence, how you talk, what you say. I don't know. I was like, oh my God, I did the same exact thing with the, with the crazy ex. Yes. So yeah, I feel mm -hmm. that's great. Uh-huh. Yep. So, and I think if I compare leaving the crazy ex it took me a year of planning because I had moved here, become allowed myself to be financially dependent on him. It of took course. me a year of planning to extricate myself yeah. from it. And yeah. part of it also as well was he was starting, we'd settled our life here and I'd started a business here. I'd made friends. I'd got, you know, and he'd started with, ooh, I think I'm going to go to Australia. Ooh, I think I'm going to go to New Zealand. And I thought, ooh, I don't think I want to go on your world tour with yes. you. Thanks. Yes. Right. So um, I'm all good. But if I think of that change and the and the moving change, they almost happened on autopilot. If that makes sense, it's like it kind of it start that the 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 change train started to go, and I was on board. And you kind of I think get into a stage of just doing sorting, methodically ticking through what has to happen. And if I think about it now, I look and I just think, I don't know if I could do a big change like that again, because it's it's huge. Right. All right. So a couple of things that you said, and then I'll get to the other questions I was going to ask. But one of the things, and I want you to address actually what you just said and contrasted to what you said a minute ago, where you said, I am quick to make decisions. 
and then you're all in. And uh, this moment of, I believe very strongly that we need to be, women need to be more decisive. Mm -hmm. We need to be more, um, at times quick to make decisions. And I teach that it's like, be all in with the decision that you make until you get new information. And then have the liberty to make a new decision, which is what you did. What I hear you saying though, is that there's something now 14 years later in hindsight, as a more mature woman that you're like, "Mm, I probably could have sat back and thought about it just a a little bit more, maybe before I moved, um, it all worked out and you're that kind of person too, right. That you're like, you're, you're going to make everything all work out. So what's the contrast there is, or is that, is that an inconsistency being a quick, decisive, you know, a quick decision maker with uh, stepping back and analyzing. Um, because as you know, women can get into overanalyzing, failing to take a chance and a risk, right? There's all of that. There's like, we want to take risks, but we're afraid to take a risk. So we're going to ask everybody and we're not necessarily going to listen to our gut. And that kind of big uh, uh, transition and move there's a lot of things on your checklist. You, you cognitively were actually very busy too. Cause you're like, well, I gotta do that. And I gotta do that. And maybe it did not allow for space and time to sit and listen to yourself. What are your thoughts around that? A hundred percent. I also think it comes from, you know, I did that move when I was in my late twenties. Mm-hmm. And I think when you're in your late twenties, you feel like you've got all the time in the world yes. and we know as you get older, the time goes faster. And I think the one thing I didn't consider at the time, because my parents were in their early 50s, was the impact of what I was doing and how that would impact in you know 14 years time. Because yes. uh, why would I have thought of that? It's, it's just not something that crossed my radar. Yes. Right. And I think now I look at it in hindsight and think, you know, I wouldn't change being here, but it does pose a very large challenge for me as I've got parents who are now in their early 70s my stepmom passed away last year you know my parents are going to get older and they are going to to die unfortunately and it is difficult if either of them become ill yes I sit with a problem with that and I think that is the one thing that never crossed my radar but also we can't live our lives for other people exactly either yeah. So I think there has to be a, a a fine line with it. And I know we're going to come to the, the career change, but part yeah. of the reason for me of shifting from the photography to a coaching business is that, that an online business gives me the flexibility if I need to go to the UK for yes. a month, two months, for whatever reason, I can without financially ruining myself. And that has been a a long-term consideration in this business pivot for me, is what can I do that gives me the flexibility to be able to travel should I want to? Because I'm also making a point of getting back and seeing my parents more often now than I used to, because, you know, age with age comes the wisdom of, you know, the trouble is you think you have time. So... I think it, it. This is a. I am starting to consider longer term decisions now. I think with with life experience, really is yes. what's mm-hmm. is what's done that for me. Yeah, I totally agree. So one of the things that I loved was your um, and I don't know the official term for it as the photo as a photographer, but your spread um with um, 
adopting black dogs. So I want you to talk a little bit about that. And also you, you've done a Ted talk, you know, and I know there's plenty of us out there like, oh my God, I want to do Ted. <laughs> right. And so a little bit about the fun process with that. And um, have you considered doing a TED talk with your, you know, from the framework of your current business? So first, you know, that's a, uh, what do you call that when you do a series of photos? Is there a special photography name for that? Yeah. I mean, it's a series, a series of work a series. or, a, or okay. a body of work. So it's body a series. You've got yeah. it completely right. Okay, good. Um, so I, always have some sort of creative side project on the go. The funny thing with my photography, and you could probably analyze the hell out of this, is when I'm doing a project that I'm not being paid for, there's no client expectation, there's no expected deliverables. I don't have to sort of play it safe to make sure I get what I what I know the client wants. Um, it allows me the space to be super creative and just have a play with and you creating some new work. Right, right. And I'm big into rescue dogs. We've got lots of rescue dogs here. I do a lot of voluntary work for animal shelters here. Mm -hmm. In fact, doing the voluntary work for animal shelters here is what really got my dog photography business going. So oh, that, right? that was yeah. quite interesting. And um, the Black <laughs> Series came about, I'd had somebody who'd bought a black pug into my studio and I thought, mm, let me just have a play with a black dog on a black background. Sounds like it shouldn't work. Let's see. And I took these pictures. They loved it. I posted mm. them on socials. Everybody else Everybody loved it. And loved I thought, them. amazing. Hmm, what can I do with rescue dogs here? And I thought, what better than black dogs? Because statistically, they are the least likely to be adopted. They're the most likely to be put to sleep if they're at a shelter. Um, so I thought, right let's run with this. So I put a call out, I got people to bring me their black rescue dogs. So all of the dogs in the series had been adopted because I also, when I'm creating work like that, I don't want to put something out where people look at it and sort of worry about where is the yeah. dog or because oh, yeah, that sort of kills it really, doesn't it? Right. Yeah. And um, I shot this series and, and I was sat with it and I thought, how do I put this out without it being just another Ooh, here's a dog that was at a shelter. His name's Bob. It's really sad. Because I think we also get compassion fatigue with stuff like yes. that. So from wherever the magic ideas arrive, the magic idea arrived to caption the pictures as if the dog was writing it themselves, as if they were putting themselves on Tinder. I love it. <laughs> so good. So good. Yes, yes, yes. So uh, so I sat with that and I got really creative and I really loved it because I thought, this is hilarious. I've allowed my mostly hidden inner lunatic to just come out and go a bit wild here. And the TED Talk was about this Black series. And yeah. the to, to backtrack slightly before we get into the TED Talk, I put the Black series up on board Panda. And I thought, mm, I don't know about these captions. I don't know if people are going to look at it and say, ooh, what an idiot. No, Ooh, that's really no. childish. Crazy viral. Or, so, Crazy viral. but I thought, you know what? It's authentic to me. I'm going to put it out there. It went crazy viral. Yeah. It went crazy viral. This thing went all around the world. I had a feature in the Daily Mail. I mean, mostly you don't want to be featured in the Daily Mail, apart from <laughs> this was a great feature in the Daily Mail. And I got loads of work off the back of it. And the idea I pitched for the TED Talk was this piece about 
not being afraid to allow your authentic self to come out. Because I think if I had have played it safe with this series and just gone, oh, here's Bob, he's sad, whatever. I don't think anyone would have paid attention to it. Right. I think it was the combination of the images yeah. and the captions. Yeah, and the big part of me that was worried I was going to have people ridicule me for some reason. I don't think I had any negative feedback about no. it at mm. all. It was brilliant. It was brilliant, amazing, and beautiful. I mean, the images were stunning. Right. Thank you. Yes. So I'm listening to you and I want to I don't want to fall into coaching mode or therapist mode or any of that, but here's what I did here. And this is, I think, part of the juice of this conversation. You said, when I'm not getting paid for it, I don't have to play it safe and I can let my inner lunatic out. And yep. so I think that part of our jobs too is allow teaching or working with our clients to let their inner lunatic out in their daily life and in their careers. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm not going to ask you, why aren't you letting your inner lunatic out right when you're pitching? And maybe you are, maybe you're marketing that way, but, but to this point, it's like, that's really part of this conversation too. It's just like when we're pivoting all of the things that we think about in the moment of transitioning into a different career, getting unstuck, et cetera, et cetera. And I think that the conversation around how often are we really allowing ourselves to be our real self, especially mm -hmm. like you said, if you're doing a, a, a heart felt project and you are not worried about getting quote paid, there is some legitimacy in that you have a business that you need to fund your lifestyle yeah. so that you can go back and forth and see parents and all the things you want to just do. So there's a moment where we have to consider how we're showing up. However, I think yep. that sometimes we over consider the impact or we, we undervalue being our inner lunatic, even in our current careers. Yeah, I totally agree with you. And I think it's, for me, that's that's a lesson that's really stuck with me yeah. is what did I learn from this Black series? Is this actually totally okay to show up as my slightly weird self? It's okay with my slightly weird sense of humor. It's okay. Not everyone's going to like it. And that's completely okay. And like you say, if with coaching people around that is sometimes I think there's an there's a vulnerability about being really authentic and being yourself and allowing yourself to go, oh, I'm going to let that little lunatic just peek out for a minute, see what happens. It tends to resonate with people on an energetic level. I think yes, that they I go, know. oh, she's gone a bit off the wall. I'm going to let my inner lunatic just come out a little bit as well and just see what happens there. Because I think we we get on with people, we resonate people who with people who are authentic. And I think that again, that, that vulnerability is a big piece of that because we tend to pick up a vulnerability in other people. And I think for the most part, nobody senses you're being vulnerable and goes, hi, you're being vulnerable. I'm going to kick you. It mostly, it doesn't happen, I don't think, but we live in fear that it's somehow yes. going to. And that's what right. keeps everybody a bit tucked in, I think. Yes, I agree with you. And I think it also is, you know, one, the lesson that I learned when I started going online, it was like 2012. Um, I heard the first person online and she was telling like all her stories. And I was like, God, do I have to share all those stories? Like the, you know, leaving the guy in the mid, like I still, to this day, 20 years later, 20 plus years, I remember standing and I was in the shadow because for some, and he was walking to his car, like way across there. And he turned around, like he could feel me watching him. And 
I was like counting the moments the movers came. And I remember, or when I used to drink, I would tell these stories and then I would attract everybody who's like, oh my God, I had a boyfriend that beat me up and it was a drunk. And I was like, shit, I don't want to deal with all of that all the time. <laughs> and so there's this, right? There's this moment of navigating mm-hmm. what vulnerable story do we share? Because we have to be in uh, in reality as business women, as marketers, that that story is the story that's the open door to all the people who share that story. So it's balancing the balance. I, I don't really like that word. It's um contemplating where we're vulnerable and not from a place of deception, but from a place of drawing to us, right? Drawing to us. I did this one. I had this photographer um come a couple years ago and I did, I I gave the middle finger and I was just, and she's like, no one's ever given the middle finger before. Oh my God. And, any of <laughs> and so I had this thing for a long time called fuck it Friday. And I had these pictures of me flashing the middle finger. See, you're laughing. And, and, and so, right. And so for, I would, and not from a place of like, fuck you. More like sometimes you're just going to be like, fuck it. I'm absolutely candy or fuck it. That client is an asshole or whatever it was. And I stopped <laughs> doing it. And it was, oh. and it was like, I went through this phase of tempering my mm. personality. Um, even though I had attracted some of my best favorite clients were like, we love that you were like, cause it gave them permission to just let their lunatic out. Right. And then yeah. I softened it and it's so clear in my marketing. And so I'm swinging back to like, you know, I'm, I'm going to need to use a new fuck Friday photos. Yeah. Um, and sometimes we also have to learn that, right. We have to like, okay, well, you know, we'll be ourselves and then how's that. And there wasn't a moment where someone said, don't do that. Mm-hmm. It was more than I thought, huh, you know, is this, is this how I want to show up? Mm-hmm. And now I'm like, fuck yeah. Now this is how I want it. Cause I do, I want to stop mm-hmm. the scroll. And if, if we don't have a message, so in that mm-hmm. vulnerability, whether it's fucking it Friday mm-hmm. or sharing a story, we have to remember as marketers, if mm-hmm. we want to help people, we have to stop yes. the scroll. Yeah. And that's why it's critical. I believe that we must share, um, the periphery of our personalities because most people yeah. are just boring as shit and they're really yeah. not transformational. And I just think that one of the biggest factors in us helping our clients is leaving the way and loving ourselves enough to show those funny parts or those lunatic parts or those odd parts of our personality. Cause I want to offer that everybody has those, but they're not mm. women are unwilling to show that because like you said, you're afraid to show your vulnerability because somebody's going to kick you. And it's really the opposite. Mm. Like you said, it's mm-hmm. really the moment where when you're actually that there is some unconscious, energetic, spiritual, like whatever you want to label it, there's a yep. knowing. So whether if somebody see like people who are listening to us can hear the honesty and the real and the truth. And if they were seeing us, they could watch our micro expressions and they would see Mm -hmm. our gesticulations and, and they would read that as honest. It's when Mm -hmm. people are, are trying to be vulnerable from the place of, um, let me share a release and let me share that story or they don't go far enough. IE the black series. You could have just been like, Bob was a cute little black pug. And, you know, and he has it as opposed to, you know, Bob loves his big penis and he lives <laughs> there or whatever. You know what I mean? <laughs> uh, but, you know, I think you've made a really excellent point about vulnerability. And I think it's 
you know, when you're running a coaching business and you're in a position where you are offering to people, I can help you transform from yes. being stuck yeah. to to being unstuck and, and make it an up-leveling. And like for you, you know, you do financial coaching with people. I'm going to help you go from being poor to earning fuck tons of money. Right. We don't do that by showing up on an Instagram story crying. So that yes. I have zero time for. Um, and maybe, maybe that's something wrong with me, but I look at that and think that for me, isn't vulnerability that's oversharing yes. and that's, that's being in victimhood and that's wanting attention. Sorry, folks. That's just my opinion on I this. Love that. You will not catch me crying on an Instagram story. I will phone a friend. I love uh, you. I know. It's so good. <laughs> Keep going. Yes. But I think there's this vulnerability in sharing your story of this happened to me. It was really awful. However, here's what I did to get over it. And it's about the the, the courage. Where did you find the courage to get over it? And yes. that is what we're showing to clients is yes. I can help you find the courage yes. and create the courage to change things positively for yourself. Yes. But I'm not going to attract you in by crying on an Instagram story because I'm not Glennon Doyle. Yeah. So I'm just not going to sit and whine because actually I don't. It fascinates me with with Glennon Doyle uh, that so many people resonate with her. And actually, all she seems to do is just sit and whine. Sorry, Glennon Doyle fans. I cannot wait to hashtag this. This is going to be <laughs> But it's true. It, but so I've been wondering about these kind of things too. It's just like, what, what is it, you know? And, and from my analytical eye, or I don't know that I just don't resonate with that. And, but it's even back what I was saying about the September, 2012, I remember exactly where I was. I remember the two mm. and the woman was like talking all about her like horrible story. And I was like, why is this attractive? Yeah. What? Is it, is it permission mm -hmm. to keep yourself mired in victimhood? Is it like, what is it? Cause I know my clients, they don't, that's not attracted to them. And mm -hmm. so, you know, that's other thing in business, right? Maybe it's a smaller percentage of people that I might work with and not this large audience and write this, you know, New York times bestseller that she's written, et cetera, or what have you. Um, I don't know. What's the answer? What, why are, why are women attracted to that? Do you think, what is the reason that they're just like, yes, what is it? What am I missing? I don't know. Cause I'm also missing it as well. Cause I couldn't finish her book. Cause it just, it seems to be all very me, me, me. And she starts off cause she's overcome a huge amount of things, yes. but yet when you see her online, she's sad or she's, you know she's whining about something or she can't cope with something and I look at that and I think how is this inspiring for people because you're not saying to people get up let's go make things happen right. and maybe there's something wrong with me that I don't resonate with that but there's but I don't wrong it, with you. it turns me off it's a complete turn off for me because I too. don't I don't feel like I get any inspirational lessons from it and what I'm looking for especially from somebody in that space is to be yeah. inspired yeah. you know you're a New York Times bestseller right inspire me how did right. you get there because she's she's obviously brilliant right because it takes a lot to publish multiple books and and be so successful but I feel like we don't get enough of why she's successful we just get a lot of everyday unhappiness 
which is I, I I don't you can scroll through Instagram and look at that all the time. I don't want to look at that. I don't want that in my in my psyche, to be quite honest. I agree with you. And you know, I have that book. It's so funny. It's like, um, and I just I just like got in the first few pages and I'm like, what? And then I saw some interview that she did with somebody in there, and it was just like, eh. and I don't know. I don't know. Right. It's, I, I don't know whether it's the way my brain is wired because my brain is very, you know, differently wired than most of the world. And I've learned to just like totally accept that and like, okay, I don't want to, I like the same thing. I don't, I don't know what it is. And, and yet there's something about like tribalism, right. Or, um, mm commiseration and, um, and whether, whatever it is, whether people are like, did you watch the Barbie movie? Cause you, look at the patriarchy. It's the patriarchy's problem. It's like, what's the reason that people aren't getting their shit together? And yeah. do, they, do they want someone who is saying, I, you know, I'm, I'm broken or I've had a problem too. And, you know, but the, the difference here is with her specifically, and I don't know a ton, but it just for, is like, there's a difference like between I'm broken here, I'm crying in it, but like, look mm. at all the shit I've done. Like, yes, most people aren't actually ever going to do that shit. They're going to, yes. they're resonating with the crying. Oh, look, she's crying too. Mm. And it's just like, and then time goes by like that. And those women who are yeah. commiserating or with mm -hmm. vicariously with similar blame victim ish, right. Yep. Complaining. Yep. They're also, then they're not doing the work that this, that woman did to have the success. That's the behind That's it. real story. Yeah. I think you're right. I think people are drawn to it because it almost justifies what's happened in their lives. It justifies why they're feeling like they're feeling I just don't think it empowers people to go, okay, something bad happened that I didn't like. I got divorced. My husband left me. My wife left me, whatever. I just don't think it moves people out of that space. Yeah, it keeps right. people in there. And I know of support groups on Facebook for divorced people. I mean, can you imagine the conversations that just happen in there? Well, I can't do that. Look, I haven't drank in over, in over 19 years and I tried to go to like AA and everyone, and like three times, like, and they're like, I didn't tell you about what I drank and what I did. I'm like, I don't want to fucking hear those stories. Like I got my own stories like that. I sure shit don't want to spend time listening to that. That is not what I'm here for. And so I cold turkey quit, but you know, it's the same kind of thing. I don't go into any kind of group like that. Although as a yep. clinician, I know there's something about group pro, you know, like a group program or a group mm. support group or those kind of things. But I don't know, they don't resonate with me and they just, um, they're not inspiring to me. No, I think it's no. because actually it, this is why, you know, the other day I had a conversation with someone and I really, and I have this with my clients is I identifying what are your core values? One of my number one core values is growth. Mm -hmm. And I literally have a zero tolerance for anyone literally anyone, even including my own parents, anyone in my life, that's not growing. I think because that terrifies me, it terrifies me to sit and bitch and complain and commiserate or, and not move forward. Cause we're here for such a short time. And I just want to like yeah. everything, not just, I want to be the best me. I just want to like, man, I want to go for it. And yeah. so I've ended friendships because I'm like, look, we're having the same conversation. I can't do it anymore. And they're yeah. like, what? And 
like, yeah, you're not, you're not doing anything. You're not changing it. So I can't, I cannot have this in my existence. Mm-hmm. I think that most people, their tolerance for the same is higher than mine. The same is safe though for a lot of people. We know yes. we know where we're at in that comfort zone, in that yes. tolerance zone. And I think it's hard to make a decision to move out of it because it requires change. It requires work. Um, I think self-development and self-growth is one of the hardest journeys you can go on because you are constantly challenged with it. I, you know, I did the Martha Beck life coach training and and I talk very regularly to some of my colleagues from there and we'll sit and we'll go why why does this shit keep coming up I thought I dealt with this thing and then something else comes up but welcome to life that is yes. the nature of life it's constantly changing right. if you go out of your comfort zone and you choose to up level you choose to go for more it's difficult it's why most people sit sort of whining about oh you know I'm not making enough money and they stay there because it's safe to be there. And but see, this is the question I have. Is it safe? Mm. It's like talking about stuckness. So that's what you, you know, you help people mm. transition through stuckness. It's just like, is it safe? Is it actually safe? There's a moment when is the struggle you're bitching about actually isn't it harder to live admire mm-hmm. in that than the shift of being a making a decision and then taking action. It's just like, that's, you know, both are hard. It's both like, choose your hard. And if you're going to yes. use the hard of not doing anything, then stop bitching about it. Like, yes. Door shut, no more bitching. Um, <laughs> we can just talk on this subject all day because, because we are both go-getters and we have mm. a things. And like I said, I didn't know about the whole, like, waited to end to leave story. So obviously there was something there that, um, and <laughs> most people, most people stay stuck in relationship yes. and yes, all of the things. And it is hard. It's so hard. I guess we're both of the mind that it's so worth it though. It's so it is. worth to change. It is, but it is difficult. Cause I look at it and think, I mean, my photography business kind of took a, 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 a big hit with COVID in terms of the direction I was going in because I'd started to do a bit of business mentoring in 2019 for other photographers you know I had this kind of success and everyone's like oh can I pick your brains sure you can here's the invoice Um, and I had had planned to really take my photography business internationally that's what I wanted to do and I'd started to build a client base up in London I'd started to make contacts I had a trip to Los Angeles at the beginning of 2020 just got back in time before the borders shut with COVID I'd started to make contacts in places to be able to start expanding my business and then COVID killed it we couldn't leave South Africa until the beginning of 2022 wow and I think that for me pushed me into a, a, a different direction as well. Cause I just, I thought I, I, this is all my contacts that I've made are, are finished now. It's yes. the, the moments passed yes. and, you know, it was time to do something, you know, entirely different, but it's hard. It's hard starting a new business and it's hard starting a new business while still running another business, which is effectively bringing in the money at the moment of finding the time and prioritizing getting a new business off the ground. It's hard. However, I know on the other side of the, it's really hard will be (laughs) 
right a freer easier life because the yes. photography also the one thing you know I'm getting a bit I'm not old by any stretch but getting a bit older is I want more free time yes. and it's very time intensive and I've just started to look I don't want to be going out and working on weekends anymore I just want something that fits a bit more and is is easier for me what yes. allows ease not easier yeah. but it gives me more ease yes. because that's what lights me up I I don't want to be exhausted all the time anymore. I know, girl, you're speaking on my language, all of it. <laughs> <laughs> totally. I know that's, I, I mean, that's part of it. You know, as when I talk about making money, it's not just make money because let's got money as a God. It's about like, you need money so you can do whatever the hell you want to do, which means if yep. you want to just sit around on Friday or you want to just drink a cup of coffee. Absolutely. And, or take a yoga class, you're not, you, you can, that's you what can. it's about. It's like, yeah, uh, that's why it's so worth the hard in order yes. to have the ease, but you've yes. got to walk the, the fire first. So absolutely. You've got oh to walk God. the fire so yes. you can have your own fuck it Friday with margaritas yes. at 11 AM. If you want. Yes. Well, since I'm, I'm sober, not you, you I, can have I, a virgin margarita. <laughs> I could have that. Or I could just like pumpkin spice lattes all around right now. Cause it's fall. Um, Absolutely. So thank you. How can everyone, first of all, find you and hear more of your brilliance? Um, and who's your, who's your favorite client? If you had a line of a hundred women raise waving their credit card, oh, who is she so uh to find me three places to find me my website which is emmaobriancoach.com i'm currently working one-on-one -on -one with coaching clients you can listen to my podcast which is the lemons and pineapples podcast which mary you've also guested on your episodes coming up Yay. and instagram at emma o'brien coach i've also just ventured onto tiktok at emma o'brien coach um so you can find me in all of those places my ideal client is somebody who is fed up of being stuck, wants to make some changes, doesn't quite know how to do it, needs a bit of guidance with what do I actually want? What are the steps to get there? Can I have some accountability? And most importantly for me with my coaching clients is people who are prepared to do the work. Yeah, Those are the most rewarding, wonderful clients who show up, who do the work, who go through the hard stuff. And as a coach, we're there to support people when it yes. gets difficult and to say, I've been through this as well. It's really right. awful. White knuckle it. We're going to do it. But it's the people for me who put the work in because when you put the work in, you see such huge rewards. I know it. Well, we've all been, we've really been talking about this, but to end it with, how do you describe leading a life uncommon? So I think it is getting in touch with what really lights you up and what yeah. makes you happy and being honest with yourself about that and making a plan to make sure that happens for you. Beautiful. Thank you, Emma. I love our conversation. We'll talk to everybody later. Bye. Thanks. Bye. Are you subscribed? Have you been following me? Go over to YouTube, Mary Bicknell, over on YouTube. Go to the Instagram and come over to LinkedIn. We are all in this year. We are so all in. I am so all in on helping you create a bold life, helping you lead a life on common, helping you with your selling. Stop not selling.
Stop it. You are not selling because you probably suck at selling. Let's just get real. You know, most women, uh, we have a hard time sometimes asking for money, asking for what we want. Not everybody. So don't, please don't barrage me with your emails. Selling though, my friends, is what we do all day as women. And selling is something that you can easily learn. You can easily learn this. And I want you to understand the process. And I want to teach you my brave process. It is my exact formula for your sales calls. I teach this in the art of the ask, genuine, confident conversations for sales calls. Um, but if you're interested in at least getting the format of a sales call, the brave formula, reach out to me, connect with me, tag me on Instagram, reach out to me on LinkedIn, send me an email, Mary at Mary Big Now. But most importantly, when you're ready, let's go and let's have a real conversation about what your business could look like. I want to invite you to get on a call with me, marybicknell.com slash call with Mary. Of course, the link is around here somewhere, right? And let's have a real conversation around what it looks like and how much money you're leaving on the table and how you could just modify probably just a few things during your sales calls and your sales process to be able to two, three, 10 times your income. My, one of my clients, I was just speaking with her the other day and literally she and I have only been working together for two months and she was able to look at how had she put into place the things that she has been learning, she would have tripled her income. And that's just the beginning, my friends. You deserve it. We'll talk soon.